0: Why don't we just open up real quick with a quick prayer for this morning. God, we uh, just want to praise you for what you have done in our lives this week. Um, I'm, I'm just mindful of so many uh, just amazing opportunities that you've blessed me with and also um, just ways that, uh, glimpses that you allow me to see of you um, through different people, and through creation, and uh, it, it just causes me to stand in awe. Um, God, I, I pray that you would keep us in that mindset more often, just to, like David, know that there are you're all around us all the time, and I guess just to keep our eyes open more often than than we do. Um, I, ju- I just thank you for this class. I thank you for... Um, for this body, and I pray, God, that uh, we would just learn from your word uh, what you would have us to learn and, and just be formed by you, uh, and it's through Christ we pray, amen. Um, <clears throat> all right, so this is my first week to be teaching this class. Dane has had the last uh, three weeks, and you'll have me for, uh, I think... This next three weeks, um, and then he'll have it two times, and then uh, anyway i don 't know what exactly the schedule is, and we haven't talked a whole lot about what exactly he's teaching and what i'm teaching, so um, we're just kind of going or I go week by week he's probably got his totally planned out like for the rest of the of the quarter and uh, you know I'm, I'm like putting powerpoints together on Saturday and stuff but Uh, I wanted to just mention a a couple of things he said the past couple of weeks. He talked about how him and I are both very not emotional people. And so why would we be doing a class on the Psalms? Um, Which to a degree is is true, but I do sometimes wonder... um, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Uh, I don't make decisions very emotionally. I, I try to be pretty rational uh, as far as decisions go. Um, but I, I don't know. I think to a degree, none of us can help but be emotional people. We're emotional beings. Um, I don't cry as much as most people. But some things do make me cry. The other Okay, uh, so for instance... I think it was two Wednesdays ago, Jeff mentioned the movie Cars 3 and how it made him cry. Um, a lot of, usually I will cry during, during movies more so than real life will actually make me cry. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but I remember right after we moved here, this was I guess three and a half years ago, Uh, Inside Out had come out, which is that cartoon about the emotions uh, made by Pixar, I think. And it's about this uh, little girl, and she's got, I don't know if there's four emotions or five emotions, and there's this control panel in her head, and they all, you know, have turns controlling what she's doing and stuff like that. Um, Anyway, but this girl... Uh, she, her family had just moved, taken her away to some new place, and um, she has this big breakthrough at the end, and, and you find out that her moving was the source of so much sadness and angst and frustration and all this, and we had just moved you know, our uh, family, uh, our kids, with uh, Brinley, who was just about to start school with her preschool friends, and we moved her up here. Anyway... Um, my face hurts so bad from crying during that movie. Uh, that doesn't happen very often, but um, uh, anyway, I, I wouldn't say I am I am as not emotional as Dane has painted me to be. Maybe um, I want to just share a, a quote with you. I don't know if you'll agree with this or not but I found it uh, interesting. N.T. Wright said, The Psalms represent the spiritual root system of the great tree we call Christianity. What will happen to the fruit on the tree if the roots are not in good condition? Um, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but uh, I do find it uh, true that, Um, very often in in my own life, coming back to the Psalms in short spurts. I've never been a a Psalms... uh, Psalms has never just spoken to me and and made me want to read it every day like many other traditions do. I think Dane has talked about that a little bit. So N.T. Wright, he is um, uh, Anglican, Church of England, Episcopalian. And he was a bishop, actually, for for quite a while in that uh, group. And it is suggested that they read, I think it's something like four psalms every day. And they get through the psalms basically four times a year. And so you can imagine, you know, if you're uh, 50 years old, you've read through the psalms, you know, 400 times, you know, 200 times, whatever, I don't know. Anyway, um, and so for him... He, he talks about the Psalms, it really is his spiritual root system. It's, it's how he reaches down, reaches deep, so that uh, his fruit, I guess, will be more um, um, apparent, I guess. Anyway, Psalms for me, it's, it's tempting to approach the book as if, um, you know, kind of in our, in our modern age, the way that we approach the Bible is, how do I make this work for me? You know what I mean? Um, Like it's some sort of problem and I need to get my head wrapped around all these questions, figure out the answers, so that I can somehow fit that into my world and my worldview. And I think that's rather, while that can be appropriate and and is appropriate, I I do think that uh, often we need to look at it the other way around. How do I work my own life my own worldview into what Scripture is producing, what I'm learning from this? Um, How do I just completely immerse myself into that? So Ephesians chapter 2 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Uh, so that, that word, uh, other translations I think say uh, for we are God's um, uh, workmanship, craftsmanship, uh, that sort of thing. So that word in Greek is poema. It's the word that we get poem from. And so I just, I just like how it reads if you kind of translate, translate that literally. We are God's poems uh, essentially created in Christ Jesus to do good works and um i i just like that we're we're living breathing poems we are uh you know by our actions by our speech how we treat one another uh we are supposed to be these beautiful things that uh, not only portray beauty but actually allow other people to learn things about god and about the kingdom and and the church uh through us so that through our through us praying Psalms through us, uh, singing these you know different poems. We ourselves become poems for for uh, our own world. Um, Jeff did a class a couple quarters ago, the Shadowlands. I don't know if if uh, y'all were a part of that or not, but we started talking about how uh, different things in Scripture are prototypes of what God would then do in Christ, and. Then we eventually moved into how, really, even our lives today ought to speak just as loudly to the world as Scripture does, in a sense, right? That um, uh, I am no less a spokesperson for the gospel than Paul or Peter. Uh, and so, we need to take that seriously in, in our own lives and, and uh, figure out how that how that works, but even even our lives, in a sense, we are uh, living, breathing epistles, right uh, in fact, that's why we uh, named my uh, our firstborn Brindley her middle name is Chanson, which is a French word for a song, and our whole thought process behind that was, you know, we want uh, our daughter to live her life as a song before God. And um, uh, anyway, okay, so, so let's get into a little bit of just kind of my version of introductory stuff for, uh, for some psalms. Dane's probably, uh, I think, has gone over a little bit of this, but um, scholars generally suggest that most of the psalms were brought together during the period of um the Babylonian exile right so obviously many of them were written before that and some of them were even written after but as but most of the body of psalms at least was gathered during this time when uh you know by by the levites and eventually once they start building the second temple right um uh they're gathering all of these psalms during the uh, the time of exile which i think is um I don't know, it's kind of cool because even one of the Psalms says, uh, you know, it's unthinkable to sing the Lord's songs in a strange land, right? Um, You know, like it's blasphemous to read these poems, these songs, to sing these kind of praises when we're in captivity. And yet, doing just that is what... Kept them really rooted in their faith, um, uh, probably more than any other other thing. Helped them to keep their faith, uh, praying through that doubt, praying through that fear, which uh, I think we're going to end up talking about later in this quarter, how important it is uh, just to pray, praying through those doubts, praying through those fears. Um, And so... At the time that the, the temple, the second temple, Zerubbabel, Ezra, Nehemiah, those guys, uh, when that is being erected, that's also kind of kicks off when the synagogue, right? So, temple, big worship, sacrifices, synagogues, local churches, essentially. Uh, it's where most of the teaching is taking place and that kind of thing. So, that, so, that's when the synagogue kind of takes off. We don't know a whole lot about synagogue um, worship. But we know that the Psalms were a very central part to that. It was a central aspect um, of what synagogue life was like. Um, and so, you know, Jesus taught in the synagogue. Paul taught in the synagogue. Um, it, it, was just, it was a place to go to learn, to be communal, to be, um, you know, remind them what is Jewish life, what is Jewish family, uh, and all of these things. And so, one of the amazing things about Judaism to me is that even while they're dispersed throughout so much of the world, a lot of them are in Alexandria in Egypt, right? Uh, Which is where the um, the Septuagint writings, right, the Old Testament in Greek, ends up coming about. Um, Is that you've got Jews everywhere, but they remain so entrenched in their worldview, in their hopes, in their faith. And you could say that Psalms was essentially the backbone of that. That constantly uh, singing the Psalms together, praying the Psalms together, was what, you know, helped them to keep their identity as Jewish people. Um, and so I don't know how much you bring that into uh, us as Christians, but I do think it's uh, uh, worth pointing out anyway that. These weren't simply a bunch of, um, it's not like our worship songs today where, you know, that's cool. That's great. Maybe I like this line and not that line. Uh, this, this was who they were. This, this informed everything about what they cared about, what they were looking forward to. Um, so Andrew Fletcher, Scottish, uh, guy, uh, 1600s, I think. Let me make the songs of a nation, and I care not who makes its laws. Um, I, I love that quote. Um, Paul, if you remember, in Acts especially, he says, As your poets say, and he begins to teach them through what they were familiar with, what their poets were saying, what their songwriters were saying. Um, I've never been a very big music person, but we could probably all think of, you know, how many songs, um, hymns can I quote verbatim all the way through, and yet scripture sometimes is harder for me to memorize. Just something about uh, songs, rhyming, melody, and all that just makes it uh, easier to recall in times when you need it. Um, and man, I. Talking with college students frequently, uh, you know, something will come on the radio, and it's amazing how um, you see the messages in music informing worldviews so much more powerfully than you know a sermon or you know any any number of things that I might try to convince them of. Um, songs are powerful. Um, so anyway. The the Hebrew Bible calls the collection of Psalms the Tehillim, which just means praises. Uh, And so, to the Jews, this is the this is the book of praises. Uh, The early Church and the Jews in Jesus' time, uh, they read Jewish Scripture using the Septuagint. Okay, a lot of them did not have the old um, the Hebrew stuff. and most of the the common language was Greek anyway, and so by the time Jesus comes around, uh, the Septuagint is is what uh, is is what is in their mind. Okay, and so in the Septuagint, uh, the collection is called the Psalmoi. All right, P S A L M O I, except in Greek. Um, and so that's where we get our word for psalms from. Okay, and that's just the word for songs, right? Uh, songs with accompaniment, usually stringed instruments, that kind of thing. One of the one of the codexes was called the Psalterian, which is just another instrument. Anyway, so that's where we get our words from. The Psalter, the Psalms come from the Greek uh, names of this book. Um, I think it's worth mentioning that... There are dozens of other songs in Scripture that are not in Psalms itself. Um, Moses and Miriam, right? Uh, when, after they cross the Red Sea, they sing this, this song. Um, Mary, right? The, uh, the, the Magnificat, right? That we sing a lot of the words to it in, in one of our songs. But anyway, uh, Scripture is, is just, uh, littered with, with songs everywhere. And it's because I think it was such a powerful teaching uh, teaching tool. So, Psalms as a whole, I don't remember if Dana's got into this yet, uh, but it's split up into five books. And so, obviously, I don't think that as each of the authors, you know, David and the sons of Korah and all these guys are thinking, well, this is going to go in book one or book two. Right? They, they weren't thinking, and th- but... At the time when, uh, you know, in the time of Ezra, when the Old Testament starts to really get ordered and gathered and all these things, uh, it made sense to them to order these psalms in a certain way. Um, A lot of the ones by David are in the first two books, you know, 2 through 41, 42 through 72. uh, But there's ones of David that are in, in the later ones as well. But it's sort of thematic, and I'll show you a video here in a few minutes of kind of how how that works. Um, but some of the main, when you read it kind of cover to cover, you know, Psalm 1 through Psalm 150, you get a sense of um, not not just the depth of emotion and the range of emotions, but a lot of themes start to play out, which... Which uh, really is a is a powerful teaching tool too. Just how it's ordered, um, and and how these different themes come about. And so, uh, teaching and and reign, the Torah and the kingdom of God. So Psalm one is sort of a uh, which we talked about. I think the first week uh, in this class, Psalm one, all about the Torah. All about Torah just means teaching. It's all about the teaching, the law. Um, and then Psalm 2 is about the kingdom of God and what God is going to do through his reign. And those kind of serve as the, as a double introduction to the entire book of Psalms. Um, the other thing is you're going to see through the first three books, lament is, is the most popular category of Psalms. Uh, there's praise in there too, but towards the end, praise is, it moves from lament to praise at the end. Overwhelmingly when you read the last five, right? Um, and so, I, you know, both of these things, I think, are are forming us. They're teaching us when we don't just pick one and then pick another and pick another. That's that's a fine way to do it. But when you read it all the way through, these really powerful things come out. Um, so, like Psalm three is a Psalm of David, and the little text at the top says, "A Psalm of David when he was um, uh, when he was fleeing Absalom." Right. And so your son is after you. You are hiding in the, in the caves, in the mountains again, back like when you were um, hiding from Saul. And probably the lowest point of your life, maybe. I don't know. David's life went like this. But uh, if your son is after you and your son wants to kill you, I can't imagine how much lower... You might feel than that. Your kingdom, you feel like it's just being ripped away from you. Your identity, um, uh, we could probably just read Psalm 3 real quick. Uh, and I don't have it up there, so if you want to open there, that'd be great. Um, Uh, he says, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? And you find when you read the story of Absalom chasing David, he's got something like 10 or 20,000 men looking for him in the caves uh, and in the hills around Jerusalem. Uh, many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory your people. Um, And so you see how even in even in the short segments it goes from lament, my life is terrible, to praise. God is amazing, regardless of what I uh, interpret my circumstances to be. Um, And so. Maybe I think next week what we're probably going to do is look at a lot of these Psalms of David and compare them to the corresponding stories that we get in First Samuel and Second Samuel because I think there's it makes a lot of the Psalms so much richer when you do that when you know the backstory. Here's what David was thinking and feeling, what he was going through, the context when these thoughts get put on paper, so to speak. Yes. Mm-hmm. Was there anything that was done in the, I assume, Hebrew? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, there's... there's... Methods that were used in Hebrew for memorizing? Right. Um, well, so, if you... Uh, I don't know if this was done back, uh, you know, 1,000 or 500 B.C. or not, but today you will see, um, you know, Jewish kids when they're doing the rocking back and forth thing while they're standing and, and they're... That is... Supposedly, some sort of way that they keep doing now they don 't actually um, speak the language anymore they 're just saying the sounds um, uh, but anyway, so that's that 's one of the things that they do i don 't know how when that practice came about, maybe Jeff does, but um, as far as Hebrew goes i don 't know how much rhyming you get. probably a lot of words would rhyme simply because they only had about four thousand words, whereas we have hundreds of thousands of words in English. Hebrew only had about 4,000. And so you're probably going to have a lot more rhyming, maybe just accidentally, I don't know. Um, but also some of the things that they did, and Dane has touched on this, is that you will have um, acrostics. And so Psalm, 1, Psalm 119 is a good example. Every verse starts with you know A, B, C, D, except for in, in Hebrew. Um, Psalm 34 is one of David's. It does the same thing. And what's interesting about Psalm 34 is that the line, I forget which letter it is, is actually taken out of the middle and put at the end. And so, it, you know, is this kind of one of those, one of those tricks? As far as rhyming, I don't know. Um, but, um, as much as they read it and focused on the Psalms, anyway, they probably it probably didn't have to rhyme. If, if you're reading it every day, it's probably going to stick, if it rhymes or not. You know, um, so I don't, I don't know if Dane is um, read up on that or not, but uh, Dane, that's your topic for three weeks from now. You can teach on that. Um. Okay, so uh, yeah, the, the the character of David, right? We always look at him as. You know, he's, he's a he's a man of action. When everybody else was standing around, he went and actually fought Goliath. Um, you know, what, you, what are all you standing around for when this Philistine is, is uh, you know, uh, speaking against our God? But more so, I think it's appropriate to think of David as a man of prayer. He's a man of action, obviously, but he was a man of, of prayer first. His instinct was not to just go fix it. His instinct was to pray and empower God to work through him or other people. And so in, in, uh, in the context of Psalm 3, when he's fleeing from, from Absalom, did David have to go fight Absalom? No, he, he didn't have to. I don't think he wanted to, um, but... David just, you know, when when he finds out that there's thousands of Absalom's men against him, m- much of Israel has is turned against him. God is, has uh, abandoned him. His instinct is to pray. And uh, he says, Arise, Lord, deliver me, strike all my enemies on the jaw. He doesn't say, Give me the strength to go and fight everybody and kill a bunch of people. He just puts it all in God's hands. And sure enough, you know, when you read the story, uh, that's exactly... What happens? Um, God delivers delivers David without David having to, um, you know, form his own army and, and all that kind of thing. So, um, let's see. There's a type of psalm called a royal psalm, which would go in mostly the praise category. Uh, but the royal psalms talk about the Davidic line, okay, the line of David, and how. God is going to eventually restore the house of David to uh, you know bless the world because of the promise to Abraham and all that. So those are called the royal psalms. Uh, there's an interesting thing about them that I found out recently. Um, and I don't know how many there are. I haven't counted them yet. But they happen to show up. If we go back, yeah. They happen to show up at the seams to, uh, to the books the way that the way that the books are ordered, and so you've got um, uh, Psalm two is a royal psalm, Psalm forty two, Psalm seventy two, uh, and Psalm eighty nine. So the first three books are our book ended with these psalms that talk about the um, uh, God restoring the house of David and being faithful to the house of David, and uh, and all of that. But what's interesting. Is that Psalm 89 ends, it starts with um, it starts with that sentiment, but it ends with, but it all went wrong. Right? David wasn't the greatest. Uh, you know, he had plenty of failings. Um, you know, your people, we have not been faithful, etc. etc. Uh, and and so it's saying Please remember, you know, remember this promise that you made to to David and to his line and to restore Israel through him. Um, but right now it just seems like you've forgotten, right? And then Psalms, uh, books 4 and 5 are overwhelmingly more about who God is, who Yahweh is, and how he delivers. Um, and sometimes he uses people and sometimes he doesn't, but it... it Kind of changes your focus from uh, focusing on you know kings and mankind and humans to God is just amazing and God is going to get this job done uh, regardless of of um, uh, how weak and pathetic and unfaithful we might be. Right, just lifting our eyes up to God's rule and to God's reign. Uh, I want to read something really quick. So I mentioned N.T. Wright earlier, and he wrote a book, which is not like most of his books, which are really thick and heady and way too long. Um, somebody asked him to write just a, a, a small little short book on what the Psalms have meant to him throughout his life as he's read four Psalms every day. Um, throughout his lifetime. And so I just wanted to pull a quick little excerpt. Um, and maybe you have some experiences like this. And it would be really great to hear some of those uh, some of those things. But I just kind of as a because I have not been uh, you know, faithful in reading the Psalms in this kind of way, maybe this will serve as some sort of platform uh, or, or inspiration of the just the power of of doing that. So he says, um, I adopted the, oh it's five psalms a day practice, not usually all together, but spread out over the day, time and again, the particular psalm that was next in line, jumped off the page and spoke directly to me. A few vignettes stand out. One frosty evening in February 1969, I was working late in the library, trying to figure out the different theories of atonement. They all seemed so important and convincing and exciting, but I couldn't understand how they all fitted together, so I went out into the clear starry night and looked up at the constellation called Orion. One of its majestic stars was constantly changing from red to blue to silver and back again. Perhaps, I thought, the atonement was like that, many colors but a single star, perhaps I didn't have to say it was only red or only blue or only silver. I climbed back up the spiral staircase to my desk in the library and decided that before starting work again, I would read the next psalm in the sequence that I was using. It was Psalm 19. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaim His handiwork. I don't know whether that means that God has a sense of humor or simply that the Holy Spirit was being especially kind to me that day, but that moment has stayed with me every time I read or sing about that lovely psalm and also when I think about the atonement as well. Or there was a time when I was cycling up the busy high street in Oxford. Most students used bicycles to get around the ancient and crowded city and decided to overtake a bus that had stopped in the inside lane. Another bus was coming in the other direction, but there was just room for me to squeeze in between the two of them. Until, as I accelerated, the right pedal snapped off the bicycle and I fell forward onto the handlebars. I narrowly avoided lurching into the path of the oncoming bus and somehow made it safely back to the side of the road. I walked back to my lodgings, shaken and quite afraid, and as the kettle was boiling for a much-needed cup of coffee, I decided to read the next psalm for the day. It was 94. And verse 18 says... When I thought, my foot is slipping, your steadfast love, O Yahweh, held me up. I think I laughed out loud, as much from a leaf as for the ridiculous coincidence, though as George MacLeod, the founder of Iona Community, used to say, and if you think that's a coincidence, I wish you a very dull life. And then there was the time when I began to realize it was time to give up playing rugby. I was preparing for an important game against ferocious opponents, and for the first time in over a decade of playing the sport, I was suddenly, to my surprise, physically afraid. The psalm for that lunchtime, Psalm 56. Be gracious to me, O God, for people trample on me. I still feel slightly ashamed that I needed it just then. Or there was the joy when trying to concentrate during my final exams of looking up at the university coat of arms painted on the ceiling, bearing the opening words of Psalm 27, Yahweh is my light. And he talks about several other ones and, and even some much more personal and deep um, uh, deep ones about his father and and going through uh, deep depression and Psalm 30, uh, 139 really bringing him out of that. Uh, really, really great little book. I'd, I'd recommend to you. But um, I don't know if any of you have maybe some experiences similar to that. Maybe it's not Psalms. Maybe it's something else in Scripture. Um, but uh, I would. I wish I maybe I had asked this at the beginning, so you could be thinking about if there is a time. But uh, you know, if there's a time that uh, that you know comes to mind for any one of you, I'd I'd love to hear. Uh, about what that is, and if you can't think of it right now, then you know email me or something um, just curious does does anything like that come just come to mind immediately for any of you a time when you just felt like God really spoke to you in that moment through scripture okay cool um, well i've got I've got a video, but it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit longer. It, it'd take us over a little bit. So what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to um, uh, save that for next week. And uh, we'll jump in with that. I had this really cool, well-designed um, poster that has, that has all of the, uh, the Psalms, the books laid out with the themes and how it all works together. Uh, and then the, the printer is apparently not working, so sorry about that. Um, so anyway we uh let me let me just offer a prayer up for us again, and um, uh, you'll have a few minutes here at the end so God, we just are so thankful um, not only for uh, what you have done in our lives but what what we uh, what we know that you will do um, we just we look forward to when we see you face-to-face and so much of this, this life that is uh, so uncertain and, and does bring so much pain and tears and cause and reason for lament, we rejoice that one day um, we will see clearly um, and that the events of, of our life will, even, even the ones that have been so um, formational Uh, in sadness and pain will make so much sense uh, and that we can maybe even learn to um, just to give you thanks even for the difficult times because in some way you brought us closer to you through them. Uh, So God, I just pray that as we are uh, just continuing to uh, study this book together, hopefully read it in our own uh, in our own time, uh, just individually and and just as a community. God, that you would uh, Really uh, tune our hearts, uh, as as we've talked about, and just kind of recognizing that that's not a one time fix sort of thing, but it's something that requires so much time, so much perseverance, uh, and we can't do it on our own, uh, and we need we need one another to uh, just to help keep us accountable, to tune us uh, to what your word says and what your spirit is is uh, trying to accomplish in us and and through us. I I just thank you so much uh, for this time. And uh, just be with us this morning as we continue our praise uh, in the way that we uh, just sing and and treat one another. Uh, And just help us to bring that out into the world in a way that is is beautiful to the community around us Um, and and just shows shows more of your power. Uh, And it's through Christ we pray. Amen.